And so I want to invite Fawn up just to share what God's been placing on her heart. I want to encourage you, let the things that she is saying challenge the things that the world around you is saying. Let it, let, it be, let it be right in the face that you can stand in front of those things and say, this is not what God has said over me. This is not what God has declared. And I agree with God. I agree with what he has said because I trust him. So please welcome Fawn up. <clears throat> Love you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Father, let your, let, your word, let your word echo in our hearts. We love you. We want to hear from you. We trust you. Amen. Good morning. You guys have fulfilled my dream. I've always dreamt that we'd all be... Turn around and look at it yourselves. Isn't this beautiful? <laughs> I, I come from a church where they escort you to your seat. You don't have a choice. <laughs> you have to be together. I'm going to speak this morning about your name. And as I was thinking of some of you, I was thinking of one of maybe your names from God. And Kamal, one of our international students here from India. Kamal, can you just stand up for a second? I was thinking, honey, one of your names from God is one who seeks my face. That she's a pursuer after Jesus. And, and the Lord just sovereignly brought her to himself in India. And we're thrilled. Thank you, Kamal. Uh, Tanya, I, I was thinking, I'm thinking of you and how you can light up a room even when you're depressed. And <laughs> isn't that true, Perry? And and one of your one of your names is Light Bringer, that you bring light not just in revelation of of God and of education in the educational sphere, but you bring the the light of Jesus into darkness. And uh, each of us here have names. I've asked Joey and Adelita to be my. Um, my illustrations this morning, so they're going to be interrupting me through the message, and that's planned, so don't feel like they're just coming up and interrupting me. <laughs> if we have that first slide, Terry or Ken, is that up there? Um, let's read this all, all together as one. Can you see it? Wow, I thought I'd put that in big type. Okay. But after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. How many of you would like to be prophetic just for one second? Say the name Jesus. You're prophesying salvation by saying the name Jesus. That every time we've ever sung the name of Jesus, 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 there's something about that name. All the older people remember that. Some of you are too young to remember the Gaithers. But uh, I think that song's coming back, actually, from uh, Christ for the Nations. Uh, Every time we speak his name, we are prophesying what he will do and what he is and who he is. And when we say each other's God-given names, we are prophesying destiny and Identity always precedes destiny. We're talking about vision, and Rob did a wonderful job last week. Uh, if you weren't here, go online at Santa Coy Church. Marvelous message. Deep, deep. Rob, if one of your names from God is Speaks Deep, and uh, I don't say that easily to many people, but uh, how many of you would agree Rob is, one of his names is Speaks Deep? Speaks Deep. And so we're doing a thing on vision, but sometimes we want to race to vision before we have identity from God. And then uh, vision gets corrupted. 
Now, names in scripture are all over the place. They named rocks, they named wells, they named animals, of course. Uh, Psalm 147.4 says even that God names all the stars. You know, every single star, when you go out at night, God has a name for. Some of them don't even exist anymore. It's just their light is reaching us, but it had a name. And you have a name from God, and it may be or may not be what you call yourself this morning. And so we're going to talk about having a vision for each other by hearing God's true name of each other, over each other, calling each other God's true name for us. Um, Many people got named because of the circumstances of their birth or because you had an uncle or a grandpa that had that name. How many of you got a name that's kind of a family name somewhere in the middle? Okay. And, and so remember Jabez was called, you know, one who causes pain because he, his mom had a, probably a 40-hour labor with him. We don't know exactly. <laughs> um, so we know, we know that people are given names sometimes out of parents' dysfunction, sometimes out of their, uh, their circumstance. Names are often given to us, not necessarily a God name, but because it was just a legacy name passed down through the generations. And so names are all over scripture. There's actually 2,000, I think 246 names in Bible, distinctive names in scripture. Now, when you're reading Ezra and Nehemiah, chapter Ezra 2, Nehemiah 7, there's just whole entire chapters of names. And you know what? One of the things that indicates is your name is important to God. In fact, it's engraved on his hand right next to the nail print. And so your names are ever before him. But you might have a name that God might call you something different than what you call yourself. God has so many names himself. The Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my peace. The Lord is my righteousness. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Lord is there. The Lord, the God of Israel. These are all prophetic names of what God wants to be to you. And when he gives us his name, and we have many names like God, it is a, a prophetic statement of what we are about to be and what his dream and his vision is for our lives. Identity precedes destiny. Let's all say that together. Identity precedes destiny. Lucy Shaw said, we cannot name ourselves. We wait for either the devil or God to name us. Why don't we say that together? We cannot name ourselves. We wait for either God or the devil name us. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit of our story. We want Santa Coy Church to be built on story and knowing each other, knowing the best parts of each other and the not so best parts of our, of our past. We want this to be a place of authenticity and uh, truth and intimacy. And so I'm going to just tell you a couple little childhood stories from my background. Welcome, Mary. And, um, and And it'll be part of us discussing this thing called naming. Uh, I grew up, I was born 40, more serious than God. (laughs) And uh, you'll soon see this as I tell this story. And um, as a child, I was a very sensitive child. And so I just picked up things. I think I came out of the womb with my radar on full gain. And... um, And so I was just sensitive. I was picking up things. I went to little tiny churches with pastors that were incoherent with fury. I had a vein right here that would pop out when they preached. Have you ever seen people preach like that? 
I always wondered why God was mad at me, you know, because it was just loud and it was loud and it was ferocious. And I was always like, but I'm trying, you know, and I always felt. And, uh, but my mom, this is in the 50s, I was born in 1956. Uh, my mom had by, by that time divorced twice. And uh, she also had a child by, the, uh, by a man that she wasn't married to. And so she was just seeking Jesus as I was born. She had kind of come out of a lot of Christian science. And, and the church kind of barred the door to the table of the Lord for my mom. She kind of had the scarlet letter on her. She was beautiful. She was kind of like, looked like a Hollywood starlet when she was real young, you know. And I, I'm sure some women in the church were like, I want her around my husband, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and so... I picked that up as a child. I was, I was very young, but I just picked up that exclusion. And so one of my first labels, my very first label, was excluded. Now, I didn't just feel excluded from the house of God. I felt excluded from God himself. I, ha I had this lie in my heart that basically said, I could live perfect my entire life, but in the end, I'm probably going to sin and go straight to hell. I grew up with um, eternal insecurity. How many, how many of you grew up in churches with eternal insecurity? You know, and so I, uh, I just felt excluded from God, excluded from the house of God. We always attended church, but we were always second-class citizens because in those days, in the 50s, people did not know how to have God's heart in their chest. And it's one thing to have God's heart in your chest. It's another thing to have God's word on your lips. And, and most people just had God's word on their lips. They didn't have God's heart in their chest. And, um, and so, so one of my first names was excluded. And, um, and yet, that is not what God called me. No, Fawn, God has not called you or any of us excluded. But God has called you Embraced. Embraced is your name, not excluded. God has loved you with an everlasting love since you were in the womb of your mother. And he will always embrace you, never leave you, never forsake you, or never leave or forsake us. Amen? Amen. Another name I picked up in childhood was uh, the name Reject. I, uh, my mom had very distinctive ideas about modesty. So I, I think when my, it echoes when I do that. Um, so I dressed really funny. I, I not only was born 40, I dressed 40. <laughs> my mom would go to thrift stores and get these really nice, you know, iMagnon kind of, clothes and stuff. And I was like wearing three-piece suits in elementary school, you know, <laughs> which can, you can imagine didn't endear me to uh, the other children. And when everyone was wearing dresses up to here, I had my dresses below my knee, you know, and I, I looked like a frontier person in a three-piece suit that was 40, that was actually 12 or 10. Um, and so Reject was one of the, the names that I picked up and became the inner psychological signature of my soul as a child, was just being, uh, never fitting in, just rejected. You know, you take one look at me and go, yeah, don't want her for a friend. 
just too too strange. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> Perdón. Perdón. <laughs> you, you are not rejected. You may have felt rejected as that little pity child, but God has never rejected you. I have never rejected you. For 36 years, I've been married to you. I have not rejected you. You are accepted. No rejection in you, my honey. <laughs> so, also in my childhood, there was. Uh, did any of you ever go to PE and they had team captains and they chose their teams? Now, I think uh, PE teachers are enlightened now and don't do this. But when I was growing up, they would pick the two most popular boys who would pick their teams. Tanya, is this like been eradicated from education? I hope. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> I was the person they fought over who would have to take me at the very end. So there I'm standing, you know, in my three-piece suit, 40 years old, and, uh, and, the, and the team captains are like, no, you have to have her. No, no, you have to have her. I had her last yesterday. No, no, you have to have her. Now, see, the only thing I ever really exercised as a child was my brain. And um, so I had some brain muscle, but I didn't have a lot of expertise. You know, now I, I can play a pretty good game of ping pong, but that's about it. <laughs> I should have been Chinese. And, uh, um, and so just feeling like a loser, a perpetual loser that um, uh, would never ever uh, yes would never ever be anything but that. That became the psychological signature of my soul. <laughs> Your acceptance is coming off. <laughs> <laughs> um, loser. You still think you're a loser? Sometimes. Sometimes. Well, I have news for you. You are, before the foundation of the world, chosen. You are chosen by whom? God himself. Exactly. God himself chose you to be his daughter, his child, his messenger, his person that would stand up here today and give this message. Because he has chosen you. He chose you to be my bride. He chose me to be your husband. And... That was all before the foundation of the world that he chose you, so you were chosen. Don't let that come off. Okay. Pick up my own. Pick up my own. Thank you. She doesn't want to be a loser. Okay. Uh, I also didn't watch TV or go to movies or hear any popular songs. I was asking Adelita the other day, did you, I almost thought I'd use for this sermon that song by the zombies, um, uh, what's your name? Who's your daddy? Is he rich like me? And I said, Adelita, do you know that song? Do you think I should use it? She's like, no. She, she grew up. No popular songs either. You know, how many of you know that song by the zombies? Okay. We, we could have used it, actually. <laughs> so I, I was uh, 
secret psychological signature of my soul was clueless. I was culturally totally irrelevant. I would be no good chart starting a church plant. You know, you know where relevance is that you know kind of almost a god and idolatry is how culturally relevant you are as a church. I was completely irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Didn't you know all the kids would talk about the show they watched last night on the playground, and I would be like, yeah, I read Spurgeon last night, or Tozer, you know. <laughs> So I was so irrelevant and so clueless. That is such a lie. Am I not on? I want to be on. Okay. Because that is a lie. In Spanish, we say una mentira del diablo. That is a lie of the devil. You, my friend, are not clueless at all. How many would say amen? amen. Now, this woman is a deep you are someone who has great depth, who has great insight. When I need an answer, I have Fawn's number. <laughs> because you have so much depth and insight. And the spirit of God lives in you, the spirit of truth. And you are connected to that spirit. So you are not clueless. You are an amazingly deep woman of God. Right there. I can't kiss you like Joey. <laughs> Are any of you identifying with any of these labels? Did any of you have similar labels? Okay. Just a couple more. Uh, because we uh, moved constantly, I think I went to 16 different schools, um, I, was, I was pretty friendless. Um, I, not only dressed weird, did weird things, I, I, I was always moving. I was always in a different school. Mira, you, you know how hard it is to switch schools, don't you, darling? Uh, just having switched schools. And, um, and so I was friendless. And I sort of thought that was my, life, my lot in life, just me and Jesus. I was the spiritual Marlboro man. Do any of you remember the Marlboro commercial? He's got his horse and his cigarette, and he's out on the mountain. And I thought, yep. You know, my favorite song is, Though none go with me, still I will follow. Do you remember that song? Though none go with me, still I will follow. So I just thought, okay, life is going to be about being friendless. And God has really actually surprised me in, in changing my name in that place. I don't know of a person who has more friends than Fawn. I don't know of a person who is more known internationally. Here, there is no one here that doesn't know Fawn. You mentioned Fawn's name, and you are known. And I believe it is because not only are you a friend of Jesus, but you are a friend to many. And it is very difficult to not love and to become a friend of yours. And I am so thankful to God that I am your friend. How many are thankful for this friendship? Amen. Not friendless, but one of many, many friends. Almost got some day. <laughs> I also was weird. Let me put up W. This is a psychological signature of my soul. Now, when everyone was playing Ken and Barbie, I had chemistry sets and was trying to cure find the cure to the common cold. It's 
my theory was that if God made a disease prominent, he would have made the cure prominent by nature of who he was. So I would take jellyfish, eucalypt. I was always freezing things, waiting until I got a cold, trying them. I had a micro, I had a little laboratory. I did cesarean sections on my guppies, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I was just, I was going to be a missionary bush pilot and a surgeon. And, and, um, and so I, I, I was just plain weird. I was just strange, you know. It's like nobody could relate to me at my age because I, I had this laboratory. In fact, one time I had a Dr. Smock and I had a little case and I was Dr. Dale King. That was, that was my name, my doctor name. And I remember I had found this little chart, so I, I was diagnosing my dad, and I looked in his eyes, and I was looking at his eyes, and I forgot to flip the chart when I started to diagnose my mom. So I say very seriously to my mom, and cannot figure out why she's falling off the couch in laughter, along with my dad, my stepdad. I said, your problem, ma'am, very serious, is your prostate. <laughs> No, I had no idea why she was laughing, you know. But anyway, uh, I, I was just weird. I was just weird. I had that. I, I was doing weird things all the time um, in science and loved science and loved trying to find cures. And I'm still a person that is very attracted to people that don't just diagnose well but cure well. They've got cures for the economy and cures for politics and and. Isn't she weird? <laughs> no, she's not weird. She's rare. <laughs> That's right. She's, she is as rare as, as the sun shining in the middle of the night. I mean, in Ventura. <laughs> happens in Alaska. <laughs> um, it's, there are rare people in the world that are as rare as this rare one is. Mm -hmm. And um, you're not weird. You're loved. You're deep. You're accepted. I don't know why I got this mic in my hand. You're embraced, you're chosen, and there's more to come. So we, oh. Now look what happened. She's a friend, a rare friend. Just one more, and I really want to get into the bulk of the message because this is really uh, very important that we get this, and that is never got invited to parties, never got invited to sleepovers. I think I went one sleepover my whole life. Uh, undesirable. How many of you ever felt undesirable? And, and that's probably the hardest of all. The scripture says that what a man desires is unfailing love. And probably the hardest name that you will be given on the playground or by your parents or by circumstances is the name undesirable. And um, because of everything else I've told you, that's where I got this you. And that became the silent signature of my soul that I would never be desired by God or by anyone else. Oops. <laughs> you are She's very deep. still deep. <laughs> undesired? Anybody undesired this woman in this room? 
you better not say yes. <laughs> I'll be on your case. <laughs> for me, desire is different than for most of you, I'm sure. Um, but for God, the desire for her is the same as it is for all of us. He loves us all. He desires us all. And you are desired. Mm -hmm. And I think in many times we have all felt that same way undesired and just as many as a leopard man in in scripture um, the embrace and the desire of God is there even when we feel undesired so you are desired by God and we desire you fully my friend keep deep keep deep okay okay now we're going to zoom through this because that took longer than I thought but um, this, those seven letters becoming the secret signature of my soul, no matter how much success, no matter what happened to me, those labels, those labels stayed an identity for me. Because, you know, people coming along like Joey and Adelita, they're rare. They're very rare. How many of you just have a whole parade of people willing to stick these on you? It's very rare. We cannot name ourselves. Let's say that again. We cannot name ourselves. We, we wait for either the devil or God to name us. Now Satan substitutes our true names. Um, Twelve tribes of Israel, all except the tribe of Judah, were named out of competition between Leah and Rachel. Something that significant. You'd think, oh, oh no, their names were chosen by God. No. There was this competition going between Leah and Rachel, and God sees, it's like, okay, now I'm going to have his full attention because I've birthed this son, or God hears, or he will judge. Yes, God's going to judge me as the favored wife. If you look at all the names of the tribes of Israel, with the exception of the name Judah, which is I will praise, it's all, they're all competitive names. They're all trying to get attention. Why? Because Leah and Rachel did not receive their identity from God. They received it from what they did. It's interesting, if you went through the 12 tribes of Israel and their name meanings, which I'll be happy to email any of you. We don't have time to go through that. It's interesting how we try to do the same thing in impressing God or birthing things or saying, now God will love me. I had someone read my second book when it came out and said, yeah, I just kind of feel like you're trying to impress a, a, a relative and, and you're saying, now do you love me? <laughs> now we, do. You know, we, we all have all these different things that we do to try to get people to love us. And the 12 tribes of Israel were named like that. Labeling is hell's substitute for naming. Labeling is what hell does. And as the people of God, we, I would just so, I'm so plead with you. And God has held me to this this week. In fact, Joey's been saying, honey, are you labeling that person? <laughs> I'd make a comment. And Joey's been making me uh, live this sermon. And also God has been making me live this this message today about labeling is how hell names you. It's how hell names you. The kingdom of God is a community of naming. It's a community that says like God says, like Rob referenced this morning. Let there be light. It's like we're prophesying over each other when we tell each other our true names. Now, my, my mom always said, a love child has many names, and... Um, and I think that's true. God has many names. You have many names. 
But you also probably have many labels. And maybe nobody sees those labels. Maybe they're the interior thing that you call yourself when trouble comes, or the interior thing that you name yourself. Now, sometimes, like Jacob, we deserve our name. Jacob, remember, was schemer, heel grabber, trickster, surplanter. He actually became his name. It became a prophetic thing about him. And when God wrestles with Jacob at the brook, God says to him, what's your name? Now, that's always confused me. Has anybody been surprised that God asked Jacob his name? Never understood. I just saw it in the Amplified. In the Amplified, Jacob says with shock, like it's the first time he realizes who he truly is. I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the trickster. And, and God says, no longer will you be called that, but Israel, one who prevails with God. In fact, some Hebrew even says, um, not just prevails with God, but that God prevails. How many of you would love that name over your life? God will prevail. God will triumph. God is going to triumph no matter what your situation and what your circumstance. Um, why I think this is important, I think if we label, we lose. If we label, we lose. If we name, we win. Now this has huge political, economic, cultural implications. It has implications for our church. When people come in, do we think, oh, that's a homeless person. Or if someone comes in to say, oh, they're a disabled person. Or someone comes in ethnically, oh, the lovely Egyptian family. You know, the lovely Egyptian family are people with distinctive names. You know, but, but we just do it sometimes with no malice intended. Sometimes it's just simply an easier thing to group someone into a label. And that is hell's joy. But God's joy is for us to name each other, call each other by our true names, by our God names, by how God sees us. Now, one time I was speaking at a retreat down in uh, Carlsbad, and during the uh, break, someone came up to me, poured out their whole heart to me. I seem to have, like, in invisible letters, but people can read, pour out your heart on my forehead, you know. So my friend Cesar Reyes comes up to me and pours out his whole heart, and I look at him, and I go, Caesar, let's pray. You know, you know, prayer's always good when you don't have any good advice. Just pray. So we prayed together, and I said, Caesar, God says you're the Hebrew man. And I said, I don't understand what that means, but God says you're the Hebrew man. And Caesar said, well, and I said, well, in Hebrew, the name Hebrew, if you go to its deepest etymology, not its surface etymology, if you go to its deepest etymology, is the name boundary crosser. And so I think wherever people will seek to confine you, Cesar, you're going to be a boundary crosser. Well, Cesar, fast forward five or six years, to my shock and Joey's shock, goes with his entire family and makes Aliyah to Israel. His wife was Jewish. And so now Cesar is learning Hebrew. They are loving him. Israel loves Mexicans. He's gotten all these job offers because they need you know, Spanish interpreters for the tours and and, and his whole family have become Israeli citizens. And, and, but for years I was calling him, hey, how's the Hebrew man? How's the Hebrew man? Now, I didn't really understand the fullness of that name. Now, when you get names from God, you sometimes don't understand the fullness of them. They're just in seed form, and you think, well, I think I understand that. But, but it's an ever-expanding name when we name each other God names, when we call each other God names. 
What if we were to resist health strategy of labeling each other and called each other by God names? What if instead of looking at motorcycle gang guys, uh, what if, and street gang guys, what if we looked at them and said, yeah, I bet you guys are really warriors of light that haven't found your destiny. Can you picture that? You know, I mean, Hell's Angels gang, they're not going to pass out bulletins at the back of the church, right? You know, half of what we offer men is like ridiculous, you know. I mean, I mean, these guys are just made to war, but they're made to war for light. And they're made to be warriors of light. What if we looked at um, the, the, the gay and lesbian transgender bisexual community and said, you're desired by God. I'm not going to just throw you in to a bucket and say that is most determinative of you is, is this thing. See, that's what we do when we label people. We say, what is most determinant about you is your sin. What is most true and determinative about you is your past. What is most true and determinant about you is the failures and mistakes that you've made. But what if instead we looked at people and said, oh, you're the desired of God. You're the desired of God. What if instead of calling La Colonia, which, which for some of us conjures up all sorts of negative imagery, what if, and Grace, thank you for that correction last week, um, what if we called Cabrillo Village the beloved community? What if we said that about La Colonia? The beloved community. What if we let that name of God seep into our hearts to where we actually felt that way instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to prayer walk La Colonia as a good soldier of Jesus, you know. And then we post things on Facebook like, yeah, we prayer walked Colonia. What, what, if, what if it was, oh, we got the privilege of walking through the beloved community. God wants to teach us how to name each other, how to receive our own true names, how to remove labels from each other, just as Joey and Adelita did. This is the function of the community of, of God, the community of love, a community of naming, is that we're always doing this. This is a many-year process. This is a lifelong process. This isn't something that happens in a message like that. This is something we commit to do with each other, year in, year out, year in, year out. If we learned this, if God really wrote this on our hearts, it would change how we prayed for each other. It would really change how we, how we pray. We would pray, oh God, you know, my, my, my son, or pardon me, my son or my... My daughter is trapped in this, and da, da, da. we wouldn't be praying the problems. We would be prophesying the future for that person, saying, Lord, this is who you made them to be. You are the one that's worthy of their love. You are the God who is worthy to be worshipped and sought after. And by this person, by this person, their true name is seeker of God, not what they're doing right now. We would live as a prophetic community. It would change how we prayed for the lost. It would also change how we envision the future. You know, when we look at each other, we wouldn't freeze frame each other. Have, have you ever gone to a family reunion, any of you, and they call you by your little pet name when you were three? Has that irritated anybody? You know, My family name, my real name is Stefani, and so in my, in my family I'm called Steffi. 
And so it, it's so funny because I think that's my little kid name, <laughs> Steffi. But you always know it's my family. If you ever heard, if you ever hear me called Steffi, you know it's the family. It would change how we envision the future if we learned how to truly name each other God's names. And this is so important for the kingdom because Jesus is so worthy, particularly of uh, this third point, and that was that it would reflect, it would reflect the king and his kingdom if we learned to do this, if we became a people that excelled at this. Can you imagine this church if we said, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to hate labels, and we're going to love naming, and we're going to start calling each other by their God name. Can you imagine what would happen in this place? Can you imagine what would happen in America? It would reflect the king. It would reflect his kingdom. Because the only reason we can be called a new name is because of the cross. The only reason we have a prophetic future is because of the cross. It's only because of God's heart to rename us that we can participate in this renaming of each other, of this blessing each other. Now, some of you have perfectly wonderful names that God gave, slipped into the heart of your mother and father when you were, when, when you were born. My name's Stefani. Um, it's interesting. Every once in a while, I'll just get in a slew of despair. Does anybody get in slews of, slews of despair? I fall into it regularly. And I'm in this slew of despair. And I'm talking to a trusted friend. And she just keeps going, what's your name? What's your name? And I'm like, Fawn? No, no, what, what, what's your given name? Stefani. And what does it mean? Crown. And what are you called to? Leaders. So you're living your name, right? Uh, I guess I am. And you know, all of a sudden my heart was like, it was sort of like the stamp from God of like, okay, you're doing okay, you know, yeah, this is what you're called to do. And um, so some of you have wonderful, beautiful names that you need to just embrace and say, yes, this is my name. My name means crown. I'm called to love and support leaders, one of which is right here, who I could not commend to you more highly. Uh, Adelita, it's a privilege to love you and serve you. Um, God longs for us to hear us say what he calls each other. He wants us to echo him. That's all prayer's about, right? We're echoing Jesus, the great intercessor. There's no other intercessors in the scripture except Jesus, so we echo him. And we're echoing him in how we call each other, what we say about each other how we perceive each other in our mind, how we cherish each other, how we represent the king and his kingdom to each other. Now, how do you know a person's true name? Uh, Ken, if we can put up that new scripture. Isaiah 62, verses 2, 4, and 5 say, You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. How many of you want a new name that God's mouth bestows on you? This isn't God looks up in a baby book, goes, hmm, Gabby, let's see. Well, you know, I'll just close my eyes and go, Psh. no, this is a name of the Lord that he bestows. You'll be a stunning crown in the palm of God's hand, a jeweled cup held high in the hand of God. No more will anyone call you rejected. Remember my R? How many of you have had R tattooed to your soul? Joey grew up 
as the son of a pig farmer in Minnesota. And how many pigs? 2,000. So you can imagine the names Joey got called in school. This amazing man who was like Jesus to me for 37 years was called all sorts of names just by his dad's occupation. You're no longer going to be called rejected. Your country will no longer be called the ruined city. Do we have ruined cities? Are some of our family relationships ruined cities? Do we want to see God restore them? You'll be called Hespa, my delight, and your land, Beulah, married, because God delights in you. Your land will be like a wedding celebration, for as a young man marries, I think I glued these together, a virgin bride, so your builder marries you, and his bridegroom is happy in his bride, so God is happy with you. So now, this scripture gives us a great indication, if we can just leave it up, this scripture gives us a great indication of how to find, how to sleuth God's names for each other. And how we do it is it's usually the opposite of what the enemy has branded us. Right? Deserted, delighted in. Ruined city, you know, rejected, married. Do you see how God flips those names? So our biggest clue for each other is what the enemy has named us. And knowing those names, we know pretty much God names this person the exact opposite of that. Because the enemy is really invested in stealing your identity before you ever get to your destiny. If, God, if God's destiny is written into your name, if God's destiny for your life is part of your name, then the enemy will do anything he can to rob that name and put a label on you. And so God flips the name of Israel, deserted, ruined city, to delight, married, desired, beautiful. God is happy with you. And you can find that all through scripture. We don't have time today because we've got some different elements of what we want to apply this to. And I, I think a lot of times when we speak, we need to do as much application as we do speaking. So we're going to do some application together. But God longs for a community, for one person, for a community who will look past the labels, look past the ease of putting people in labels, and saying what is most true, most determinative about that person and about their future and about their destiny. Now, once we know someone's destiny, we can almost help them to it, can't we? So it's very, it's very important for us to not have just superficial relationships because we're called to build and help each other in to the place of vision God has for us. But we do that first by agreeing with God on what that person's destiny is. You know, uh, I used to teach at Juvenile Hall to maximum security children, and uh, a lot of my students were murderers, wouldn't go to, uh, they weren't eligible to go to the classes at Juvenile Hall, so they would just stay in the ward, and I would go in the ward and teach them. And so many times I would look at them and think, oh, you, you know, you might be the next Nikki Cruz. You might be, you know, you might be the next powerful evangelist with a story to tell that will reach deep into people's hearts. We don't always have to have it perfect when we look at each other. We don't have to have the name perfect but we can get approximations 
of what their destiny is and what God sees them, how God sees them, how we can pray them into that place, what we can say over them in ascribing the name that is given from heaven that the mouth of the Lord bestows. Now, in the very end of history, remember in Revelation, uh, Kim, we can go to that slide. Anyone with ears to hear, Revelation 2.17, if you'd like to turn to it. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. How many of you have ears to hear? To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone. And on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one receiving it. Now there's so much more to you than what you know. Adam had Eve walking around inside him and didn't know Eve was in him. There's so much to you. There's so many gifts. There's so many holy futures and potentials and, and, and beauties inside you that you're not aware of. But when you receive your name from God at that point, it's not going to be your nickname. C.S. Lewis had a nickname and his brother had a nickname from one of their nannies. And, and one was Little Piggy Bottom and one was Big Piggy Bottom. And so they used to call themselves that. L, uh, little LP, I have to see it. Uh, LPB and, you know, uh, they, they would call each other that the rest of their lives because as little children, that was, that was their designation from their nanny. But when God gives you the white stone, which is a sign of victory, not a black stone. In, in, in the classic days, judges would just put a white or black stone into an urn to say guilty or not guilty. So you're getting this white stone handed to you by God at the end of time, and it has your true name, and you're going to, every sorrow of your heart is going to make sense in that moment. Every way God has formed you, every disappointment, every betrayal, every part of your life that felt like it went off the rails, you're going to see in that new name, oh yes, that is who I am. You're going to be like Jacob with God wrestling with him, except it'll be the opposite, the reverse you will be awestruck. Jacob's going in shock. Oh, I am Jacob. You're going to be in shock that your new name given to you by God is exactly who you are. And that is who you're going to be through eternity, world without end. Someday we're going to remember the galaxies as an old tale. C.S. Lewis said, can you imagine that, Perry? Someday we're going to go, remember Earth? And Perry's going to go, huh, Earth. Earth's kind of familiar. Give, give, me, a, give me a little more. <laughs> Because your destiny is not to golf or swim or play tennis or whatever you love to do, robbing me, ride motorcycles. It, that's not what you're going to do in heaven. You're going to rule and reign with Christ with a name of authority, a name of power, a name that is distinctive and is exactly you. It's going to be the name that your entire lifetime was forming, that God bestows from his mouth. And we have the privilege of giving each other names that are approximations of that name. We have the high and holy privilege of being people who eschew labels, reject labels, and say, no, this is God's destiny for this person. This is what I will call them. This is what I will say of them. 
You will rule and reign with Christ. You will share his throne with a name of power, with a name of authority, with a distinctive name. You will not rule and reign with Christ with a label. You know, now I'm overweight, right? And look at me and see that. And uh, it's funny, I was telling someone the other day, when I preach in New Zealand and to Oceanic Samoan, Fijian women, I'm actually the little woman. You know, one time someone said to me in Nepal, you got to come back and teach for the Bible college because you're fat. And they really respect that. You know, other cultures, if any of you are overweight, just go to another culture, it's cool. You're super respected, you know. But we look at each other and we immediately size each other up based on physical characteristics, on language, on grammar, on places where we come from. Joey and I have always just loved God's hand to our mouth, but God gave us this beautiful home in Camarillo and immediately we changed caste systems. Now, nothing about us changed. But in people's perception, Kathy, you've been to our house, right? Oh, you haven't been. Oh, um, okay. Perry, you've been to our house. Yes. We, didn't we change caste as soon as we got that house? Nothing changed. Right. No, thank you. <laughs> nothing, nothing changed. Nothing changed about us, but everything changed about how we were perceived in the community. Um, those are all these outward labels. What you drive, what you wear, what your weight is. Those are not what's most determinative about you. What's most determinative about you is what God says about you and what he calls you and what we get privileged to call each other. Now, as we close, I'm going to ask you to do such a brave thing. And I know we're a transitory congregation, so we don't really know each other well. So this will take a step of faith and great bravery. How many of you are feeling brave this morning? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or do, I mean, you know, do anything too weird. But at the cross here, because it's Jesus that gives us our name, because it's the cross that purchased our names before God, There are some blank labels up here, or not labels, name tags. There are some blank ones. There are some with words on them. And I'm going to slip to the piano and just sing a song over you. You might want to just sit and receive that for a minute. But when when you're done with that, Tim's going to come up after my song and and, uh, just start worshiping. I'd like you to find name at the cross or write one and find someone and put it on them. Because I want us to live this. If it's just for a second, I want us to live it. Now, during the hugging time, Tanya just took me aside and said something. It just meant so much to me, Tanya. Thank you so much. So many times, we just take for granted that each other doesn't need encouragement. You know, some of you just have the blessing of just looking so together. Nobody would ever think, you know, you're hemorrhaging to death inside, right? But we have this blessing of getting to affirm and to love each other. We have this blessing to say, this is who you've been in my life. This is how you've challenged me. This is how you've blessed me. This is how you've loved me. And maybe you don't know each other well enough to do this. We're taking a big risk. But I, I, I think you're brave. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to assume that you're all brave and going to try this. So um, I'll just sing. And then uh, as you want, go up to the cross and maybe spend some time praying up here with one another, um, and uh, some of those are blank, and some of those are filled in. And uh, if you'll just close your eyes for uh, a, a second, I'm, I want to sing this over you. And um, then at the end, we have a little 34-second video for you. I 
change your name. You shall no longer be called wounded outcast, lonely or afraid. I will change your free to just go to the cross and find a name or write one to give someone else. I will change your name. You shall no longer be called wounded. Lonely or afraid, I will change your name. Your new
Lord, we just sing this over our world, Lord, that you are going to change its name. You're going to change the name of Cabrillo Village to the beloved community. Lord, you are going to change the name of those who are outcasts. You are going to change the name, Lord, of us. We bless you, Lord. Can we just stand and we'll sing this to each other? Just stand and kind of face each other. And I'll feed you the words like they used to do. I will change your name. I will change your name. Your new name shall be your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one. God, one who seeks my face. Faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks my face. Let's turn around and sing it to each other. I will change your name. Your new name shall be 
Overcoming one, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God, faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks my face, one who seeks my face, you'll be one. like you to sing it just in faith over a people group, over a group that maybe has been easy for you to label. Perhaps it's been ethnically or defined by their sin. Let's sing it over a people group that God will just give you and let's sing it prophetically over them. I will change your name. Your new name shall be your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, joyfulness, overcoming one, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God, faithfulness, friend. One who seeks my face, one who seeks my face, you'll be one who seeks my face, one who seeks my Jesus, your voice, your voice is just sweet to our hearts. Your voice brings our hearts alive. Your voice is better than any pleasure. Your love is better than any pleasure. Your name. Your name is above all. And from that place, from that place that you, you, you have earned, you deserve, you have declared a name over us. And we receive that name. Imprinted on our hearts. We reserve the place in our heart that is the plaque of our name. We reserve that for you. God was, was, was speaking something to me when Fawn was, was talking. There was actually a beautiful moment when, when uh, I think it was Joey putting, putting one of your name tags on, and he asked you, do you still feel like this? And you said, sometimes. 
sometimes. And that's so true. But something, something that we can't forget, something that we can't ignore, is that believing a lie empowers the liar. Believing the truth empowers the one that has declared truth. This is both over our lives as well as the lives of other people. When we believe the lies, of other, the lies about other people, we make those lies very, very strong in their life. But when we agree with a truth that has been declared over them, when we agree with what God has spoken over them, we empower that truth. We empower God. We empower the reality of, of God working through relationships that they can be set free of things. When we line our hearts up with what God has spoken, it becomes a very powerful moment in our own lives and the lives of the people with us. Remember that.